listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Glad you guys are here. Thank you for being a part of our church family today. Um, I really believe that the message today is uh, is something uh, that the Lord wanted me to speak directly to you as our as a family today as my church family and uh, um, normally we're in a we're in a teaching series and so what the message is is a piece of a much larger series but today it's just a single message that I believe is directly from the Lord uh, for us as a church family today and so I encourage you to just engage totally um, Focus in on, on, on the Word of God today, um, not because what I'm about to say is so interesting or anything like that, but because God's Word is true, it's faithful, and it is applicable to our lives today. Um, so <clears throat> there are many things that uh, I will never forget about my granny and pap's house. Yes, I said granny and pap. I'm from Ohio, Okay. <laughs> I'm not from California, okay? I'm from Ohio. So yes, I said granny and pap. Let's just get that out of the way right now. Um, but there are many things that I, I remember about my, gran- my granny and pap's house. Um, I remember very just like, like it was yesterday, the smell of a, of a coffee pot that had been just like burning all day long, you know, or, um, you know, the thick, heavy air that was full of cigarette smoke or or the way that the back screen door would slam closed when one of us kids would dart through it, anxious to play basketball in the backyard, right? Or the revolving door of people from far and near coming in and out of their house every day just to say hi and that they loved them. Um, I, I remember even as a kid playing with my, my grandpa's pocket knife um, I actually had uh, Sean Kelleher sharpen this knife for me not that long ago, but I don't even actually use it for a knife. I just use it kind of as like an adult fidget spinner, like kind of I like play with it in my pocket, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or a fidget cube or whatever. Um, but, uh, but, you know, there's so much that I remember about my, my grandparents' house. That feeling of unconditional love is one of the strongest memories I have of my grandparents' um, and no matter who you were, no matter what you had done, they would do whatever they could to help you along your way. And, and, but another strong memory I have for some odd reason, I don't know why this sticks out in my mind about their house, but it, it, it was their phone, my grandparents' phone in the house. It, 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 it just is like ingrained in my memory for some reason. And, and uh, if my memory serves me correctly, it was like a barn red color that was a rotary phone that was mounted to the wall, right? Anybody remember those? Yeah, right? And and, and for those that don't know, um, it didn't have any buttons, like no buttons at all. Like, it, and I'm not talking about like buttons like you, like you don't have buttons on your glass smartphone. Like I'm talking like no actual buttons or virtual buttons of any kind, right? And it just had like a round dial that you would stick your finger in a hole and spin it to the correct number, right? And it looks similar to the one up here, yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, that, that's pretty similar to the one that they had in their house. I say similar because my grandparents, the one that hung on the walls of my grandparents' house, that spirally cord that you see right there, it was easily 10 or 20 times longer than that, right? Does anybody know why that is? Right, exactly, Val. So you could walk in whatever room you wanted and still talk on the phone. Genius, right? Like, genius. So, so like, uh, I mean... <laughs> right? Yeah, you had to talk to an operator, right? Uh, like, the cord was so long, it, I mean, you could reach any room in the house. There were no apps... No calendar, no voicemail, just dial the number and someone picked up on the other end? Like, which in retrospect is something to marvel at because now I never answer my phone, right? How, how many are like me when your phone rings, you're like, you just let it roll to voicemail and you're like, if it's important, they'll text me probably, right? <laughs> <laughs> I have to confess, I have a love I seriously have a love-hate relationship with my phone. I, 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 I love to use it, but not for a phone, right? Like, not for a phone. I actually hate the phone part of it. Um, it's more like my pocket supercomputer. Like, that's what I like to call it, rather, rather than uh, just a phone. Like, um, I can't help thinking about my grandparents, and if they were still alive, you know, how they would be baffled if I told them that just this week a phone got announced that all you have to do is look at it and it scans your face and unlocks itself, right? I imagine like one of my first questions, uh, one, one of their first questions rather would be like, why do you need to lock your phone? <laughs> Well, Granny, it's so your friends don't steal your phone and post unpleasant stuff on the internet in your name, or or take two hundred pictures of themselves and fill up all their st- all your storage. Like I, I uh, like I can just imagine them being like, "Wait, you take pictures with your phone, boy? That's what a camera's for, you know? Like, what do you do? Make phones phone calls with your car stereo too? Uh, yeah, yeah." If you think about it, we live in incredible times, right? Viewing the world we live in through my grandparents' eyes makes it just seem even more like impossible, right? But the thing is, is that the, the impossible just takes one person to have faith that it is possible and to go after it, right? After all, even the telephone wasn't immediately widely accepted. Western Union, anybody know what Western Union is? Western Union sent out a memo to all its employees in 1876 and said, this telephone had too many shortcomings to be seriously considered as a means of communication. The device is inherently of no value to us. I mean, that was in what? 1876. Think about how far phones have come since 1876, right? Like, somebody believed in it, and they pushed it through. And there are literally thousands and thousands of stories like this. The commissioner of the U.S. Patent Office once said, everything that can be invented has been invented. That was in 1899, people. 
1899, can you imagine, we probably can't even count the number of things that have been invented since then. In 1903, uh, uh, the president of a bank, Henry Ford, was approaching to invest in Ford Motor Company, said this. So Henry Ford was approaching this bank to invest in, in Ford cars, right? And, and, and the, the president of the bank said this, the horse is here to stay. The automobile is only a novelty. <laughs> a novelty. 1903. In 1962, this might be my favorite one. I had a little bit too much fun putting these together, sorry. In 1962, the head of DECA Records is quoted in regarding uh, his recent um, action of passing on this up-and-coming music group and not, and not signing them to his record label, right? This is 1962. Uh, he said this. He said, We don't like their sound. Groups of guitars are on their way out. <laughs> Sorry, Josh and Alex. Guitars are on their way out, right? Yeah, it, that was in 1962, and the group he was speaking about that they passed on and didn't sign to their record label were the Beatles. Uh-huh. Right? New York Times. Anybody heard of that newspaper? The New York Times declared in 1936 that a rocket would never leave the Earth's atmosphere. The New York Times declared that a rocket would never leave the Earth's atmosphere in 1936. And not even this year, but like four years ago, so long, this beautiful picture was taken from the atmosphere of Saturn. So that little arrow right there, I, I, don't, I don't know if you can see that little arrow. It's pointing to like a little white dot. That little white dot is us. That's the earth from the atmosphere of Saturn, right? Like, take that, New York Times, right? Seriously, suckers. Whether it's the supercomputers that we carry in our pockets that we call phones, or the fact that we have traveled farther into space than most people ever thought possible. When you think about it, we live in, time, in a time where just anything seems possible. And all it takes is for someone to have faith enough to drop the I am and work hard enough to make it possible, right? But listen to this. All that work is for naught if they don't believe that it's truly possible. I think that that can be so true for us as people of faith as well. Sometimes when God lets us in on this plan for our lives that he has, we can be like, oh my gosh, God, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Like, are you kidding me? That is silly. I'm not doing that. And then we end up looking like the guy who passed on the Beatles, right? Like, sometimes... Uh, we, just, we just can't get past our unbelief to see what impossible thing God wants to make possible in our lives. Two sisters named uh, Mary and Martha experience this very thing with the death of their brother Lazarus. Uh, we pick up this story in the Gospel of John, chapter 11. Uh, this is an incredible story, and I believe God has a profound message for some of you in this room uh, just today. And so pay, 
pay close attention to this miraculous account. Um, So John chapter 11, let's begin at verse 1. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of of Mary and her sister Martha. It was uh, Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place that he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. At this point, Jesus' disciples start to warn him that, um, you know, there are some Jews that are seeking to stone him and, and that he should not go back there. And Jesus used this whole moment as a teaching moment. But in the end, he's pretty firm in his decision to go back there to Judea. And uh, so he says to his disciples in verse 11, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let's go to him. Now, if you're paying attention, what just happened is completely weird by our standards. Like, it's just, what is going on here? Why is is Jesus behaving this way? Jesus gets the news that his dear friend is ill and about to die. And in verse 4, he says, don't worry, guys. His illness doesn't end in death. It's actually for the glory of God. Huh? Right? Like, and in verse 5 and 6, go on about how much Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And he loved them so much that upon hearing the news of Lazarus being ill and and that he's about to die, he stays put where he was for two more days. What? Mary and Martha no doubt had seen Jesus do miracles and wondrous healings so when they sent word they expected him to come right away to save Lazarus but the Bible says that he loved them so much that he waited two more days why and when the disciples were confused about Lazarus's death he tells them plainly in verse 14 and 15 Lazarus has died and for your sake I'm glad that I wasn't there so that you may believe. That doesn't seem very loving to me. If you had the power to heal a, a dear friend, wouldn't, wouldn't you do it? Like, by the time Jesus actually shows up to where Mary and Martha are, Lazarus has been dead four days. And the note of four days is significant because some Jews held the belief that your soul would hover over your body for three days awaiting reentry. So, 
Four days, by anyone's standards, meant that Lazarus was not mostly dead. He was all dead, right? Which meant there was only one thing to do. Go through his pockets and look for loose change, right? (laughs) Prince's Bride reference, sorry. (laughs) No, he was all dead. He was all dead. Martha hears Jesus is coming and rushes out to meet him. And while Mary stays behind, picking up at verse 21, Martha said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, he will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. For everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Uh, Now, it's really easy to miss what just happened here. Uh, Martha, stricken with grief, comes out and says, Jesus, if you had been here, Lazarus would still be alive. But I know that even if you ask God now, he will do whatever you ask. And Martha has almost connected the dots. She's almost there. Uh, Her faith in Jesus is strong, but she hasn't put it all together yet. Jesus simply says, Your brother will rise again. Still confused, Martha says, I know my brother will rise again in the resurrection coming in the last days. Martha completely missed what Jesus is saying to her because the Pharisees and a lot of the first century Jews actually believed in the resurrection of the dead. And that's the resurrection Martha is speaking about, right? The one at the end of the days. But, but Jesus goes on to clarify what he said. He says in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe you are the Christ. Jesus didn't say he would bring about the resurrection or that he would cause it to happen, which both are true. He said something much stronger. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. The resurrection that he is speaking about is so closely tied to himself that that it can't be found anywhere else but in relationship with Jesus Christ. Martha believed, but was unsure about what happens next. Martha rushes um, off to get her sister Mary and brings her to meet Jesus. And some of the Jews that had come to console the sisters followed Mary. And skipping ahead to verse 32, let's continue reading. Verse 32. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying, To him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said, come and see. 
Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But, for some, of the, but some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of a blind man also have kept this man from dying? See, the Jews are torn. There's this earthly perspective that they can't see what's happening before their eyes. Mary has a similar conversation with Jesus as Martha did, blaming Lazarus' death on Jesus not being there. And Mary just begins to weep uncontrollably. And so did the Jews that were following her, that were consoling the sisters. And in verse 33, he tells that when Jesus saw Mary and the Jews weeping, he himself became deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And the Greek word used here for deeply moved and greatly troubled is this word ebrumame. Ebrumame. Say that with me. Ebrumame. Ebrumame. Edamame. Wait, no. Darn it. Shoot. All right, <laughs> just kidding. Ebrumame means to feel something deeply and strongly. Other times this Greek word, just to give you the full perspective, other times this Greek word was used in the New Testament, it was used in the sense of being scolded or sternly warned or charged. Jesus was moved with pro- profound sorrow at the death of his friend and the grief that his other friend had suffered and in in addition to this in addition to it this suffering and sorrow was intermingled with anger at the evil of death but don't get me wrong Jesus's heartfelt weeping isn't due to a lack of faith in what God is about to do through him it's more just a sincere sorrow at the reality of suffering and death. Let's see what happens next. Picking up the account in verse 38. Then Jesus deeply moved again. There's that phrase again. Deeply moved again. Came to the tomb. It was a cave, and the stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor for it has been four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out. His hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Jesus, deeply moved with all kinds of emotions, I'm sure, tells them to remove the stone from Lazarus' tomb. And Martha, who said she believes, lets her unbelief dictate what she thinks is possible, or at least logical, by pointing out that the stench of death will be strong if they pull away that stone. 
Jesus says to her in verse 40, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Jesus has been letting all of his friends know every step of the way that this is about something so much bigger than Lazarus. This whole thing about God being glorified through these events, this this whole thing is, is about God's glory and God being glorified through, through these events so that those around Jesus may believe. And Jesus prayed this really profound prayer after they took the stone away. I love this prayer so much. He says, Father, thank you that you have heard me. I know you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. And then with a voice that was present at the dawn of creation, Jesus calls out, out loud, Lazarus, come out. And when that voice spoke and spoke with authority, even Lazarus' dead body obeyed. Lazarus was unbound and set free, and many who saw this happen, the Jews included, believed that Jesus was the Son of God, and God was glorified. I have just a few thoughts for you, just a couple of thoughts about this story. And and if you've tuned me out at any point, tune me back in, because I really want you to hear this. What I think is kind of funny about these scriptures is that upon hearing that Lazarus is on his deathbed, Jesus tells everyone around him exactly what is going to happen before it happens. And no one gets it. No one gets it. Jesus isn't trying to be callous or secretive. He tells them right up front in verse 4 by saying, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And again, in verse 11, when he says, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. And you may be like, yeah, but he's speaking in metaphor there, so I can see why they don't get it. Well, he wasn't speaking in metaphor when he told Lazarus' grieving sister, Martha, in verse 23, that your brother will rise again. That's pretty plain if you ask me. And yet, when Jesus asks them to take the stone away, Martha lets her unbelief get in the way, and she cautions Jesus about the stench of the dead body. Jesus told everyone around right from the very beginning what was going to happen, and no one could fathom it because it seemed completely impossible. It seemed impossible. Jesus said, this illness does not lead to death, meaning lead to death as a final destination, which is absolutely right. But it did lead through death. It didn't lead to death as a final destination, but it did lead through death. For the glory of God, Lazarus passed through death and came out the other side. Why? He said it plainly in verse 14 and 15, Jesus said to his disciples, Lazarus has died, and for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there, so that you may 
believe. So that you may believe. Let me ask you this. Why do you want God to do something miraculous in your life? Why, why do you want God to do something miraculous in your life? Is it for His glory or yours? I don't care what it is in your life that you want God to resurrect. Whether it's your marriage or your finances or your health or your friendships or simply your passions, God is clearly capable of doing it. But he will do it for his glory. And in his own timing, which is always perfect. Even when we don't understand, that's the most frustrating part, right? Even when we don't understand, his timing is still perfect. Even when we get impatient like Mary and Martha and and believe that it's too late, it's too late, it's never, ever too late for God. I want you to hear that. It's never too late for God. It's not too late for your marriage. It's not too late for your passions to be restored. Healing and restoration are well within his hands. Nothing is impossible for God, and his timing is always perfect. Mary and Martha wanted the right thing. They just wanted Jesus to heal their brother. They wanted the right thing. Jesus, and honestly, Jesus wanted to heal their brother. That was the right thing. Thing, but Mary and Martha wanted it in their own timing, not God's timing. And the right thing in the wrong time is still the wrong thing. The right thing in the wrong time is still the wrong thing. Is that hitting anybody? Because it's hitting me. right thing in the wrong time is still the wrong thing because God's timing is perfect. And he's fully capable of doing the impossible in your life. But here's the thing. He will do it for his glory, not yours. God will do it to wipe out your unbelief so that you may have faith that nothing is impossible for him. So as the worship team comes... I want you to think about what that impossible thing is in your life that you've given up on. Or maybe you haven't given up on it, but there's a ton of doubt. I have some. I'm sure there are some people in here that have them as well. Think about that thing, that impossible thing in your life that you've given up on. What is that thing in your life that you consider dead, beyond repair, completely improbable or impossible? Once you have that thing in your mind, I want you to ask yourself just silently, do I want this for God's glory or my own? Do I want this 
for God's glory or do I want this for my own comfort? Do I want this for God's glory or do I want it to be able to tell the story? Do I want it for my glory or for God's glory? Then I want you to begin to pray over that thing. Pray over that thing in your life. Ask God to cure your unbelief. Normally, in the last few services, we've, we've been having our prayer partners come forward after everything's over, but I'd just like to have our prayer partners come forward now, if, if you would. Um, if you want to pray with someone, or maybe you don't even know how to pray, they can show you how to pray. They would be honored to guide you in how to pray and teach you how to pray. I can tell you right now, the impossible thing that you are praying for is completely within the capability of our God. Nothing is impossible for Him. And His timing is always perfect. We just need to have faith that even though we walk through the valley, through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to fear evil. Because he is with us. And he is fully capable of the impossible. Let's pray. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.